Assalamu alaikum. May the peace that only God can give be upon you. Welcome to Radio Islam. This is your host, Tariq el and we're broadcasting on WCEV 1450 AM, streaming at WCEV1450.com. Uh, be sure to follow us on social media. You'll find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Radio Islam USA. That's at Radio Islam USA. And also, make sure that you are subscribed to the podcast. So if you missed the live stream or the AM broadcast, you'll find us wherever you get your podcast at. We're on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and TuneIn. And you will find us at Radio Islam USA. That is at Radio Islam USA. All right, family. Uh, I am joined by the impressive one, assistant producer Ibrahim Baig. Assalamu alaikum. Walaikum assalam. Uh, and it's always good when we get to uh, uh, sit down and, and look at the, the happenings of the day. So uh, right now, we are going to get into... Um, I don't know how deep of a dive, but we're going to get into some analysis, uh, give you some commentary on the loaded, absolutely loaded Democratic presidential field for the 2020 election. Uh, and there's a lot to it, right? So there are probably more candidates that, are, that have um, declared their candidacy than people actually were of. And then there's still more folks that are going to be joining. Um, but right now, from what you see, I'll give you the first um, first crack at this. From what you see, who would you say is the front runner, or is there a front runner at this point, in your opinion? Well, let me ask you a question even before we get to that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we agree that Donald Trump is the likely nominee from the Republican side. My question is for you mm -hmm. do you think he will make it to 2020 and still be the president? That is a great question, and uh, we're probably gonna <laughs> we're probably gonna take a few minutes just just on that. Uh, man, you know it really depends. I think that's a the, the answer is it's really gonna be uh, dependent upon the new AG, um, uh, William uh, Barr, and how he approaches the job. Right? Is he going to um, is he going to be an attorney general? that is beholden to Donald Trump, right? Because, you know, and I've heard it said, and, and I, I, I agree, that that's, that that's the job that either you're doing what he wants, which and which means that, and if that's the case, it's not looking good for the uh, Mueller probe. Uh, but if he's actually doing the job that he's supposed to be doing, then, um, then it could be a rough road for him with mm -hmm. Trump and also a rough road for Trump as far as um, uh, dealing with the, the, the outcome of their report. So I, I don't know. Um, that's it's really kind of up in the air. It is a toss-up. Yeah. I mean, it feels like we've almost been desensitized. We're always hearing about stuff like this new revelation that, uh, you know, like it's getting closer and closer to Donald Trump himself being uh, – complicit in some type of a crime you know it yeah. hasn't officially reached that point yet but it feels like we've been teased with it for so long so long. i think a lot of people are just like well it's a big uh nothing burger quote unquote right yeah um but at the same time i don't know it feels like why hasn't it gone away if that's the case i think there's something like eight around eight people uh that were closely involved in the campaign and the trump campaign have been convicted so far yeah i think that's a big deal, right? Yeah. 
Um, but yeah, like you said, I, I do think it's a toss up. We just don't know. Yeah. And and then you think for those people who think that it's just a witch hunt, witch hunt right? That it's just all manufactured. The fact that there have been so many indictments, um, the fact that folks have taken plea deals, um, that in itself, right? The whole saying that there, where there's smoke, there's fire. So we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Personally, I'll be glad to, uh, I'll be glad to see that resolved, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think, I think most of America is, you know, we'll be looking for that. So yeah, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> um, but before we get into the Democrat, uh, the Democratic feel, uh, I think it's interesting to mention that there's, at this point, there's one Republican who has, um, who has put it out there that he is going to be running for the uh, nomination as well. I can't remember exactly who he is. I should look him up. But um, yeah, I recall something like that. Yeah, not making big news yet. No, but. yeah, but I mean he's 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 been around on a, a few of the political you know talk shows, but you know that's about it. So okay. we'll see, we'll see. But as far as the Democrats go, right? So we got some, uh, you know, uh, Kamala Harris. Uh, she made her announcement, uh, and it was a uh, it was it was pretty positively received, uh, at least with regard to the amount of money she was able to raise in a relatively short amount of time after making her announcement. Um, And then, of course, I think the latest announcement that has made waves, and that is Senator Bernie Bernie Sanders. Um, And he also has raised a pretty big amount of money in a relatively short amount of time. I mean, I'm talking like not even eight hours, right, Um, where he's raised, you know, millions. But... We, it's, it, but it's a whole bunch. It's a whole bunch. It's a crowded field of folks, and I just mentioned two. But is there one person that stands out to you so early on? I mean, I know we've got a lot, a lot of debates, a lot of coverage that's going to take place. But is there anybody that stands out to you at this point? It stands out as like a potential winner of the nomination. You mean? Yeah. Um, probably Bernie. I think yeah because he, he he had he had such a good campaign last time yeah um, and he galvanized so many people last time and if you look at just the amount of money he raised instantly mm-hmm. as soon as he announced his running he says if everyone was kind of waiting for him uh, a lot of progressives were waiting for him to uh, announce that and then you know here we go so yeah I mean that's the separate question from whether I favor a certain candidate or not right mm, okay all right but it looks like bernie is, seems to be the front runner at this point yeah now do you have a favorite or do you want to share if you have a favorite i don't have a favorite at this point well i'm kind of selfish in the sense that i want i just want a young president you know i want somebody young by young i mean under like 60 Mm. You know, so not incredibly, not like my age, you know, right. but somebody relatively young. I think young and fresh and energetic, you know. Um, but barring that, I think Bernie's a pretty cool guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So when we talk talk about um, age, uh, we've got a few folks that are in the field right now that, that fit that uh, bill. All right, Cory Booker. Um, current New Jersey senator, 49 years old, right? 
Um, Tulsi Gabbard is, I think, in her late 30s. Mm-hmm. And Pete. I'm going to mess his name up. Boutigig. I think that's his name. Got oh, is that, pronunciation. The, is that the mayor of South Bend? Yeah. Okay. 37 years old, right? Yeah. Now, what's interesting here, right? Because, you know, nobody wants to be an ageist, right? But um, the, the, the fact that we might be looking for a change to come with somebody from a you know, younger generation, right? Thinking that that really represents uh, change. Does, does, are those things exclusive? Does it have to be somebody that's younger? Could it be uh, you know, an older, an elder statesman that brings about the change, right? Or is that automatically indicative of kind of checking the box to go with the status quo? I don't know. I mean, I just want to see someone who's younger and and more energetic um, and who's not going to be like, because obviously everyone ages, you know, if someone takes office when they're like certain age, they're going to be like at least four years older. And and if once you get up there in age, that can make a big difference, you know, as far as how sharp are you mentally and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Um, But but I keep going going back to I like Bernie he's cool, um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, to mention one other candidate that I like actually, mm-hmm. I heard a few segments of this gentleman named Andrew Yang. Okay. And he was extremely refreshing. It's extremely refreshing to to listen to this guy speak. Actually, I heard it on a uh, podcast and uh, one semi-islamophobic podcast okay. called the joe rogan podcast who is a really he's a self-admitted islamophobe basically joe yeah. rogan yeah the mma guy the mma announcer yeah okay yeah. he's also a mediocre comedian and he has a extremely popular podcast you're pretty kind to refer <laughs> to him as a mediocre comedian <laughs> i'm being well anyway self-admitted islamophobe right yeah uh libertarian leaning so he's able to kind of play both sides depending on, you know, what type of uh, guest he's having or what, what their political affiliation or background is. Anyway, but yeah, Andrew, I saw Andrew Yang on part of his program, and I had to watch it, even though I dislike watching his program. Right. Uh, it's on YouTube. Um, and this person, Andrew Yang, was just so refreshing, and he was just because he... Um, it's very well spoken, very articulate, and he seemed just so sincere. And the stuff that he talks about is very much like data based, mm-hmm. right? He's talking about numbers. He's talking about uh, research based information as far as how the economy is doing. He talked a lot about truck drivers in Iowa specifically, mm. how automation is going to affect their industry and their livelihood and what what they're talking about, what their demands are, and stuff like that. Yeah. And, and it was all very clear and concise. Um, his One of his most famous platforms or whatever is the uh, universal basic income that he's advocating for. And I think he even said how his stance evolved over time where he basically was won over eventually. Mm-hmm. And it's not a huge income, but it's like $1,000 a month, I think, yep, per person which he says will kind of like take the edge off of people who are unemployed or whatever. Mm-hmm. But, um, and he's talking about the future in a way 
which really makes a lot of sense as far as automation and AI or whatever it may be, killing off a lot of jobs, which um, is, he talks about inevitable, the inevitability of that and that we're not, he, he doesn't look at it as a cliff that we're heading towards that we're going to fall off of. He said this is actually a curve that we're already on right now and it's, it's, it's happening right now, you know, and you're going to see it within 10, 15 years happen more and more. Uh, these things are going to change more and more clearly and dramatically. Mm. And so just to hear someone who wasn't talking about, of course, Bernie himself was refreshing too because he's very, he comes off as a very sincere person last time, you know. But this person, he came at it from a different angle, you know. It was kind of like tr part of Trump's appeal was that he wasn't coming from this establishment, so to speak, right, this political background. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, he didn't have the the facts and the and the the ability to articulate real facts and and real ideas in in a in a significant way to appeal to a lot of people and of course he did appeal to like half the country but yeah. for me to see someone who wasn't coming from a background in politics is more of an entrepreneur entrepreneurial background talking about facts um numbers statistics and research-based uh data-based ideas it was something that was incredibly refreshing to me, and I was, and it was really appealing. Mm. Now, as I'm looking at him, uh, and you mentioned uh, part of his platform, or the central thing to his platform, was that uh, giving every American adult a salary of a thousand dollars a month. He says to pay for this by a tax on companies that benefit most from automation. Now, it's I think this is a really important point to bring up, uh, and I remember listening to an interview with Uber CEO. And he talked about the effects of automation and how that's also going to impact, like everybody right now, um, so many people, their second job or third job, they're driving Uber, driving Lyft, right? But with autonomous vehicles um, uh, really down the road, uh, that that's going to impact even that as a viable uh, income uh, for people. So yeah, this idea of being able to, you know, forecast um, – you know that 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 shortfall for for folks. I think that's 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 a responsible thing uh, to do, and I think it's it's interesting interesting, and I think it's appropriate that it will come from somebody uh, with a tech background, some a business person. Uh, so yeah, that's interesting. But of course, they're calling him. He's being listed as a as a long shot. But if we learned anything from 2016, long shots <laughs> can also. <laughs> <laughs> wind up, you know, in the White House. That's right. Yeah. But you know what? This I think this is going to, uh, I think this kind of leads into one of the things that I want to get into, is with so many candidates, right, the media is going to be really important. Um, not the all, 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 all saying, you know, not, not the final decision maker, but definitely important. I mean, because even though, you got social media and you got people able to put out videos and, you know, get their message out. We still do rely, most folks still rely on mainstream media to inform them about uh, candidates, to let them see who's who, right? So how is the media going to cover so many uh, candidates, right? I know we don't expect everybody to hang around, you know, forever, right? The, the field will be whittled down, but even now, what do you what do you think is going to be the 
the coverage? You know, how, how has the coverage looked to you thus far? Well, let me first say this. I am not, I do not subscribe to the the ideology pushed by President Trump of like the fake news and everything I don't like is fake news and this is fake news, that is fake news. Mm-hmm. Just using it as a, a dog whistle or whatever. Right. However, I do think, I do think it would be, it would be dogmatic of us to say that the media is immune from favoring certain candidates or having favoring a certain spectrum of the uh, Democratic Party, for example, or even saying that they're democratically biased other than Fox News and stuff like that. Sure. So I think, realistically, you're going to start to see certain candidates be favored. First of all, it's going to be candidates who have a better chance, who have more ability to get more money and have a better, uh, broader appeal. And then it's going to turn into a battle between progressives versus centrists. And um, my inclination is to say that the media is going to favor the centrists. Mm-hmm. But um, as, as people have already talked about, it's really kind of, it's a big, this election is a big deal because the Democratic Party itself is going to have to decide who they are as far as are they a very, very left-leaning progressive party or are they a party of centrists who are going to try to appeal to this um, mass of, of voters who are towards center, which has been very real in the past, but is being more and more questionable nowadays. Mm-hmm. Right, because we see what direction the Republican Party went in. So ever since President Obama was first elected, this notion of a reliable uh, majority of Americans towards center has really been shaken up and has really, by some, just been tossed out. So the Democratic Party is going to have to decide, are they going to try to convert um reluctant Trump voters in places like Michigan and Wisconsin and Pennsylvania, or are they going to go the progressive route with someone like Bernie? You know, um, I think in light of the, the government shutdown, right, we, we looked at, what's it, 800,000 government workers, um, and then I think it was like over a million or, you know, you talk about uh, those folks that were contractors and vendors and uh, provided services outside of the, the regular, you know, employee uh, structure that were affected by that shutdown, right? And the reporting that was going on during that time, it showed how so many Americans, uh, well, so the majority of Americans could not absorb a $1,000 emergency or that a majority of Americans didn't have $400 uh, in savings, Right, yeah. uh, and then the media is also uh, a lot of uh, outlets are reporting on climate change right now. They're reporting that we, you know, we're having the warmest winter um, in history. Um, you know, reports like that to me say that if the centrist uh, platform is not addressing. Uh, concerns of income inequality, stability. If it's not addressing uh, climate change, then then possibly I think the media itself is going to have to maybe 
make a determination as to what's what's their um, as far as their bias is concerned, right? They're going to be looking for clients, uh, not clients. They will be looking for candidates. I think that are addressing the concerns that they've been pushing, that they've been reporting on um, for the past year, right? So. I think when it comes to being a, a centrist or to the left, uh, progressive, whatever, I think it's going to fall back on what we've just witnessed. Does your agenda, do you, does your stance um, take into consideration what we've, what we've just saw are real concerns for most Americans? Yeah, but also let's not forget the media's goal is to make money. Oh yeah, right? every day. Um, especially the TV channels. Yeah. The newspapers and, and mag a little bit less, mm -hmm. um, but more so the TV channels. Their goal is to make money. They want to see sparks fly. They want to see people arguing and, and you know, having this conflict within the the, the band of candidates that's already there. Right. They want to see sparks fly. They want to they want controversy, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and they're partly responsible for creating the phenomenon of Trump. Right? Absolutely. <laughs> they take part of the blame for that. Yeah. I say um, a lot of the blame. Yeah. Yeah. So there's that. Um, another thing is, which could be very interesting, very unfortunate, is there might be a split uh, within the Democratic voter base. If there's a very uh, centrist kind of old school establishment kind of candidate, then I don't think progressive voters are going to go for that because that's how... Um, Trump won, right? Hillary was this this uh, kind of neocon candidate, mm -hmm. centrist candidate. Bernie was the progressive candidate. Um, if that happens again, I think you're going to see progressive voters just say, no, we want our own progressive candidate to run independently. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's going to split the party right there. Right. Well, and this also is a matter of, and I think you just kind of alluded to that, um, is how the Democratic Party is going to define itself, right? Yeah. Um, and then it'll be up to the, um, it's, it's going to be up to the candidates to define themselves and see how they fit within that paradigm. Um, and I think a big part of that is going to be, uh, a lot of the dialogue is going to be around um, candidates pledging an allegiance to um, capitalism, right, which we've just seen Kamala Harris, you know, she came out and said, I support capitalism. Um, and of course, on the other side of that, because we have this burgeoning um, uh, Democratic Socialist Party, right? Um, once again, how, how these stances uh, play out with issues that are important to uh, voters, and not necessarily the issues that the media says are important to voters. Right, because you know, income stability and education and um, um, crime and you know, um, interfaith relationships and racism and you know, it's, it's, all, it's there are a lot of issues that are important to um, uh, to Americans, but of course they're not all they're not all going to be the same, mm -hmm. right? Because we've got such a diverse population, so finding out what issues we all care about that are all important to us that aren't necessarily being covered or promoted by the media, I think that's going to be important in terms of candidates being able to distinguish themselves, right? Yeah, I'm glad you brought up the issue of the party defining itself because that's actually, when, whenever you see a very large pool of candidates, that's part of what's going on. 
Um, many candidates run knowing that they're not going to win. However, why did they do that? It's because they want their platforms adopted, right? right. People run like I think Al Sharpton ran once, right? Yeah. I don't think he, I don't think he seriously thought he was going to be the president of the United States. Why did he run? Why are people now running who are kind of obscure candidates? Mm -hmm. Because they have certain issues now. It's basic political science now. When say there's ten candidates, one of them or five of them drop out, right? Mm -hmm. Those five uh, candidates voters their supporters what do they do now where do they go they go they have to look for remaining candidates to give their support to so if somebody has a certain platform for example i have a platform for if i had a platform for uh, uh, housing reform right mm. reforming public housing or something like that now i drop out the candidates that are remaining are going to look to one of them at least is going to look to adopt that platform that was mine so that my supporters which are now defunct are going to now migrate to them so they can pick up those those supporters right those votes so a lot of that is what ha what's going to happen if you see i would say if you see people for example someone like bernie who has tons of money already right other yeah. people who have tons of money and there's other candidates you're going to see who don't have that same amount of money I would say look to them to be candidates who want to promote certain platforms, who want that next tier of candidates, of viable candidates, to adopt those platforms and those uh, platform planks so that there's whatever supporters that they gain will be now migrating to the next level of candidates. Yeah, and I think we saw Bernie Sanders do that in 2016 um, extremely uh, successfully. Well, and I think it also has to be said uh, because we talked about the film, um, Michael Moore's film. What was the name of it? Was uh, it Fahrenheit 11.9. 11.9. Yeah, he turned it around. Um, and that uh, that examined uh, that election and examined how uh, Bernie was really just done wrong by the Democratic Party, right? So there's a big part of me that feels like he deserves a do-over, Right, that he he really does, uh, even though we got such a crowded field, and even though he was, I believe he was really successful as far as um, introducing um, progressive, really progressive agenda items into the national uh, conversation, uh, and and for the Demo Democratic Party uh, and Hillary Clinton for her to you know to take up that things were that she was not really concerned about prior to you know, him articulating those things, you know, on the campaign trail. So, yeah, the uh, the defining uh, that's going to take place um, and then the, the people that are running that won't really be around, you know, they won't be around for long because they won't have the money. You know, they won't they won't have the, the numbers, but they're looking to, uh, like you said, to try to push their uh, agenda. And also, I think, there are folks that are going to be looking for, they're going to be looking for spots, right? They're going, they're going to be looking for, uh, and I don't want to sound cynical, but there are so few who actually get into politics really to serve, right? It's, you know, I think most of us are kind of used to seeing um, self-serving uh, people, people mm -hmm. looking to get something from themselves. And I, I'm not putting that on anybody, but, you know. No, I think everyone... I think a lot of people, a lot of politicians go into politics with very good intentions. Yeah. 
but it's easy to get caught up in the matrix so to speak you know and and uh come out of it a different person than than you went in you know it's a fitna is the arabic word for it it's Mm -hmm. it's a yeah trials and tribulations yeah do you think now kind of jumping off a little bit but i my feeling is that a part of that is because of like the lack of transparency um because of the backroom deals because of the lobbying uh that's done you know out of the public eye uh, for which or when i should say um it's called out publicly it becomes a problem oh, right you see what's going here so it becomes a problem. I don't want to start. <laughs> you're about to make me change the subject to the mayoral debate. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, you know what? That really deserves its own. Uh, it, de- it deserves its own own time. But I, I'll just I'll say this. Um, I agree. I think most people go in with the idea of serving, but because of those unseen forces, those unseen influences uh, that have found their way into uh, into that service. You know, they've, they've changed it. They've changed the nature of what it means to be a public servant. Uh, and it does become self-serving. It becomes, you become an agent of unseen forces. So let's go give a shout out to Sister uh, 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 Representative Ilhan Omar uh, for Shining a light, uh, Alexandria, um, Ocasio Cortez, uh, Rashida Tlaib. Uh, th- these people that are shining lights on that underground activity uh, that goes on, that impacts our government, impacts the service that they give to us. These people are heroes, right? They they are they are heroes, and we need to support. Um, we need to support that. So that transparency. That's I think that's. That's the defining um, issue, I think, that changes uh, that changes folks. So, so. mayoral. <laughs> <laughs> you want to get on the mayoral? <laughs> well, you know what? I think I save that for another time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, we, we we've been going for a minute, but um, I'll I'm interested to see what's going to happen because we we also got some folks that we did not name. Um, well, we didn't name most of the people. That are that are that are running right now. Um, I, I, we'll just tease them with um, that. Got you got me started on that because they were talking about uh, I forgot the word that they used, but kind of like the Chicago way or something like that. Yeah. Where it's this perpetual um, system of not having transparency and having these backdoor deals and so on. Yeah. It's referred to as the Chicago way, I guess, in politics or something like that. I don't remember if I'm getting the term exactly right, but. Mm-hmm. Everyone knows what I'm talking about. Yeah. So that's how, yeah, that's what it has to do with that. But mm-hmm. we should talk about that yeah. in its own uh, Yeah, in its own space. It definitely deserves its own, uh, own segment. Um, I want to close with this. Um, we have not heard uh, definitely um, whether or not Joe Biden, former VP uh, in the Obama administration, is going to run or not. Honestly. I don't think he should. I don't think it's honestly. I don't think it's really going to have that much of an impact if he does run. Mm-hmm. I think that ship has sailed. Um, yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't. I don't really see much coming out of it. I don't think he really energizes um, anyone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
I think people he he is that Nothing uncle you're happy to see him, right? Right, I mean, you're happy to see him show up. He he definitely he definitely needs to lend his voice to a candidate, right? And I think mm-hmm. that's going to come about as they as they move forward. Um, he's going to definitely be a voice, uh, you know, as well as uh, President Obama. Um, so you know what? Let's take a break. Okay. Okay. We'll take a break. We'll come back. And we will get into, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll dig in a little bit more on, on these candidates that we have. So uh, stay tuned. Don't go anywhere. This is Radio Islam. We're on WCEV 1450 AM. The Syrian Community Network, with offices nationwide, serves its Chicago area clients from its north side location, located at 5439 North Broadway. They provide housing, social services, education, basic human needs, and food security. The Syrian Community Network has Arabic-speaking staff and is a partner organization of the Illinois Coalition for Immigrant and Refugee Rights. You can get more info by calling area code 872-806-0141. That's area code 872-806-0141 or by visiting their website at syriancommunitynetwork.org. You might know me, I'm 50 Cent. You may follow my tweets, my Facebook friends. Odds are a few in six degrees separate us. We're that close. What's crazy is one in six don't know where their next meal is coming from. These are your coworkers, your neighbors, your friends. Hunger's too close for us to ignore. So visit feedingamerica.org hunger and find your local food bank to see how you can make a difference. From one close friend to another, let's do this. I'm 50 Cent and together we are Feeding America. A message from Feeding America and the Ad Council. Welcome back. Welcome back to Radio Islam. This is your host, Tariq Alameen, and we are broadcasting on WCEV 1450 AM, streaming at WCEV1450.com. Keep up with us on social media, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You'll find us at Radio Islam USA. And also subscribe to the podcast wherever you get yours at. We are on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, SoundCloud, and TuneIn. You'll find us at Radio Islam USA. Uh, I am joined by the impressive one, assistant producer Ibrahim Baig. Let's try that again with your mic up. Assalamu alaikum. <laughs> that, al- that always works much better. Uh, so we've been talking about this crowded uh, Democratic presidential field. Uh, folks that are vying for uh, election. Ibrahim made it known. He said he was looking for somebody younger, right? Even though, you know, you got love for Bernie. Yeah, Appreciate, you know. Um, and I think that is going to be, I think as a, as a, as a country, right, how we see leadership. Because um, I think sometimes we feel like we're taking a gamble um, when we get somebody new. You know, I think that brings up a, some, a, a very important point that we yeah. need to talk about. We talked about how this is going to be um, the Democratic Party defining itself as either centrist or progressive. Mm-hmm. I would also argue that this is going to be the United States of America defining itself as the type of president they want do they want a like a like a celebrity twitter troll or, or i'm not talking about trump i'm not just talking about trump but i'm talking about the priority they give to policies and data and statistics versus someone who is just out there and like a celebrity personality you know this is going to be a, an election that decides whether the presidential election is really about policy and about quality of life, or is it really just a popularity contest? 
2016 sent everything into a spiral and now that question is a very legitimate one is this really just a popularity contest is this really just a like a lunchroom you know rip fest of people like insulting each other yeah or is it something very substantive and, and much deeper than that good point good point um and i would add a question to that um and that is has the election of president trump has it has it given us a new archetype for um Absolutely, you yes. Know, for, for qualifications. Who, yeah, absolutely. Right? Changed everything. And uh, you know what, though? I almost felt like it was like the flash in the pan. It was it was an isolated incident to some degree. I hope you're right. Right? Uh, and I say that because of that resentment that a certain part of the population had at the election of President uh, Barack Hussein Obama. Right? Mm-hmm. That really just stuck in their in they gut. They had a real problem with it. And... Trump came out with enough of the language, that coded language, that dog whistle uh, language that resonated with them. And then also, he, you know, he, he duped a lot of other folks um, who had xenophobic and Islamophobic and, you know, all these other issues, you know, with others. Um, but I think now, I think now with some of the, um, with the way he has conducted himself, I think the majority of the country sees him as really unfit for the presidency and doesn't want to see a, uh, a redo of that. I mean, and of course there are some who, you know, he, you know, he has a base that feels that he's being treated unfairly or whatever. But what I'm hoping, all of that to say, what I'm, I am hoping that we are not looking at a point where that has become an acceptable uh, an acceptable model for our highest um, elected office, right? Yeah, so I certainly hope you're right. But um, just the fact that we're sitting here talking about the possibility shows that there has been a change, you know, and it's been a change for the worst. And it has been a change definitely towards that scenario of everything being just a big popularity contest. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I said, I hope you're right that it's just a temporary thing or, or an anomaly and we can go back to uh, having a much more dignified and, um, you know, deserving uh, uh, image in the world. Yeah. Now, let's let's focus in on one of the more notable names um, uh, in the presidential race for the Democratic Party. Yeah. Well, can I mention one more thing before yeah, yeah, we get into the names? It's a big one, too. Mm-hmm. Um, this is, in my estimation, also going to be an election uh, important for a third reason. It's about defining who we are as the United States of America as far as who are, are we really who we say we are. And the progressives are the ones who bring this question really to the forefront. As for neocons, whether they be centrist Democrats or Republicans, the whole neocon mantra is that the United States of America is the greatest thing the world has ever seen right. um, because we have this and this and that, uh, economic power, military power, and it's our, because of that, it's our responsibility to help other countries and so on. Mm-hmm. Um, what the progressives are asking now, the, what they're proposing and why they're proposing it, really 
um, rests on the question that are we as great a country as we say we are? Do, for example, do minorities, do African Americans have the rights that we've been uh, claiming that all human beings should have for however many years? Can we take care of our sick people? Can we take care of our unemployed citizens? Um, can we take care of our our veterans, right? Um, do our children have the opportunity that we are telling people in other parts of the globe that they deserve to have? This is a, a major, this is the third major thing about this election where we are going to have to ask ourselves, and the progressives are doing this more so than anyone else, are we who we really say, are we who we command others to be? That is a great point. And I'm going to hold off on bringing up um, the, the name I was going to because I think we need to sit on this for a second. Um, and I think included in those questions as far as who we are, are we who we say we're going to be, um, is also going to be, I think this election is going to be as much a kind of getting uh, the, the national um, temperature on its perception of capitalism uh, as, as, as you know we have our, our business our, our corporate um, community wants to present it in a way uh, where it is you know leave us alone we don't want regulations matter of fact that's you know that's that conservative um, viewpoint of less regulation let businesses do what they want uh, and that ingenuity and innovation will you know will push everybody push society forward as a whole but we've seen that that has not been the case we've seen the industrialization of our um our manufacturing centers around the around the, the country you know over the past 30 years or so and and we've we've seen a wealth gap that has continued to to widen um and then you start throwing in things like you know artificial intelligence uh and its impact on the economy we're at a point now where we kind of go back to Roosevelt when he issued the New, New Deal after the um, uh, Depression and realizing that there has to be governmental input uh, and, and in some cases control to make sure that the capitalist tendencies, which have mostly played out in an exploitative manner, that they're kind of held at bay, that the people don't suffer as a whole. So I think that's going to be a really big uh, question that people are going to have to grapple with. And I know that the media, because they're there to make money, right? Uh, and it's not to, to put them in a, a negative light, but, you know, it is what it is. So there's going to be some bias there. How they cover that? You know, can you tell a truth that actually goes against your own personal interests or your business interests, but is actually recognizing the, the harm and impact on the people? So... It's going to be as much of a mandate on capitalism, uh, you know, left unchecked. And how are we going to be able to maybe to integrate some of those socialist um, um, uh, elements, which we already have. We got elements of socialism in the government uh, right now, but we seem to ignore those things and, you know, think they don't they don't matter. They don't exist, but they are there for the. Uh, for the stability and betterment of the people. So I think this election also, when we look at who we are, what kind of nation we want to have and pass down to our future generations, that simple 
uh, or, or that critical element of, um, of, of, of government, or not government, but economic structure, is going to be really important. So I think that's going to be that's going to dominate a lot of the um, a lot of the space, you know, capitalism, socialism. How do we put those things together for the betterment of the people? Or, yeah, yeah. Or do we just yeah, sit and keep ignoring, you know, and say so I'm just I'm a capitalist, but I'm going to just <laughs> I'm going to watch this wealth inequality mm-hmm. uh, continue. Um, I'm going to you know it. It's going to be I think a big question. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I'm not an expert in economics, but I would I would say that um, what some experts have said that capitalism and and the form that it was started by uh, Adam Smith, yeah. and I think like the 17th century, he wrote a, a huge treatise about it. Mm-hmm. His goal was to get rid of inequality. So the the capitalism and the form that we see. Um, being promoted by the the conservatives of our time mm-hmm. is actually um, a form of like hyper capitalism, which is something a little bit different. Which its goal is not to achieve equality, but is to just let people run away with, you know, whatever they can. Yeah. Um, I'm going out on a limb here. I'm past my expertise, but <laughs> but uh, it's it's an interesting debate there. Yeah. Yeah. So. As we try to figure out what kind of nation we're going to be, um, and that is certainly why we're talking about the the candidate field we have, right? Because who is going to be the leader? Who's going to be the face of the United States globally? Um, and it makes me shake my head right now. I won't even get to it. I won't even talk about how we represent it right now. Um, but I was going to mention Cory Booker, uh, 49-year-old senator from Jersey. And um, he has looked at as a hands-on mayor uh, when he was, you know, mayor of, uh, of uh, Newark. And he's a, you know, he's, he's one of the shining stars right now of the Democratic Party. Uh, he's got a great, you know, CV. You know, I think the, uh, the brother was, um, got a degree from Oxford. Uh, I think he did his law degree at Stanford or maybe it got him mixed up. No, yeah, yeah, a, a law degree, I think, from Stanford. He uh, went to Oxford as well. But honestly, I think aside from maybe helping to influence the conversation for the party as a whole, the the agenda, as much as I think he's uh, talented and articulate and accomplished, I don't see America at this point putting another African-American man in the White House. Well, it only takes half of America. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I, I don't see it. You know why? Because I think, and it's not just cause, because of Barack Obama. It's not just because of that. Um, I think there is a sense that <clears throat> there, are, there are a lot of folks who are hoping that Hillary will be the first woman, um, you know, president. And I think that desire is what pushed them to the Democratic Party to do what it did uh, to to Bernie Sanders. I think in this election, I, I don't get this sense of, this national sense of, of, of change and excitement that, it, that existed during the presidency or during the, the run of uh, President Obama. I think there was a palpable sense of 
kind of a newness and an excitement. So, I, I mean, I could be wrong, right? But I, I just don't, I don't, I don't, I don't see it. I don't feel it. I don't know. And that's really bad to discount him like right, right <laughs> out the gate. I don't know, but I do think it's going to have to be a very uh, charismatic candidate. And he is. Is he correct? Yeah, yeah, he's pretty yeah. charismatic. Was he the one? Um, he was one of the people questioning Kavanaugh, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, this, he's the one who got up on the uh, Senate floor and said, this is my Spartacus moment. He <laughs> revealed uh, <laughs> some some behind-the-scenes stuff that, you know, I think he said he was told he wasn't supposed to say and, you know, it was in a news cycle for a couple of days, mm-hmm. you know. Um I think, well, if there, I don't agree with what you're saying, but if there's a grain of truth to it, I think it's going to be that people are going to say, we don't want to play identity politics. Um, We want people just based on policy and that's it. Well, you know what? I I like that and I agree with that. And I mean, I'm saying it, there's going to have to be a, uh, a very deliberate uh, the decision made that we are not looking at identity politics. And I think with a crowded field like this, mm. I think that actually is what we're set up for. We're really set up for people to look at the individual platforms. What are the policies that you are advocating for? What, what are your positions? Um, so ideally, that's where we like the best ideal, you know, the best platform, the best communicator is, is the one that's going to win. So maybe, maybe my comment or my uh, trepidation about his possibilities are really rooted in the identity politics that, that have existed up to this point. Now, I don't know mm. if they're necessarily going away, right. but you know, if, if, if we're playing the same game, if the rules really haven't changed, then that's me being cynical, people. So I could be I could be wrong, and I hope I'm, I hope I'm wrong, and I'm certainly not not trying to pour any salt on uh, on Senator uh, Booker. So who else do we have? Oh, you know what? I got to say this though. He did, you know, he has been really big uh, focusing on an issue that is important for me um, personally. One that I've you know spent years uh, advocating for, and that's criminal justice reform. Uh, so I think that definitely is something that has to be at continue to be at the top of the national conversation, especially coming from uh, from Democrats. Mm-hmm. Elizabeth Warren is another big name. She is she is definitely a big name. You got any uh, initial thoughts uh, on her? I mean, she's certainly not one of the younger uh, people, sixty nine no, years old, not. right? Veteran uh, senator. I actually like her better as a senator. Oh really? Yeah, I like. I think she's a valuable asset to the Democrats in Congress as a senator. Mm. And um, if if she runs against Trump, he's going to try to turn it into a circus. So she went out and got a DNA test a couple months ago, and it came back with a based on whatever um, I guess like family traditions that they used to tell in her family about her having like native american ancestry so she went and got a dna test and it came back like i don't remember how like one one thousandth or something like that a very small amount which is basically like insignificant as far as people are concerned right 
So Trump is going to try to walk all over her just for that, and it's going to turn into a circus if she runs. Yeah. As far as policies, she has good policies. Mm -hmm. um, but like I said, I think she's more of a valuable asset within Congress um, as opposed to being the president. But that's just my opinion. Yeah. Well, I really don't have much to, to add on that. Yeah, I remember her making claims about Native American ancestry. And I thought that, I would, you know, I'm going to show you my ancestry uh, DNA, uh, ancestry.com, mm -hmm. you know, results to put, you know, put all of the conversation a bit. I thought, I thought she handled that uh, poorly. And, of course, you know, that'll be something that comes back to her. Uh, that will overshadow or potentially overshadow her policy positions, especially if she is the one to to go up against Trump. Two more candidates that I know a little bit about is one of them is Kamala Harris from California. Very interesting. Um, yeah, very interesting. She's going to be she was a prosecutor in the past, I think. Right. She yep. was like a state's attorney or something like that mm -hmm. um, in California. Uh, she is from a, a multi-ethnic background. Um, she's very charismatic. She's very poised, right? She's seen as someone who can definitely stand up to Donald Trump in, in a debate kind of environment. Yeah. Um, sh there are doubts around her identity as a progressive um, I don't even know if she claims to be, but I don't think she is going to appeal. Um, some of the decisions that she's made in her past aren't really going to appeal to progressives, um, which I can't really go into the details of. I'm not knowledgeable enough about it, but I've heard enough talk about her, some of her stances as a prosecutor and so on, things that she's done which were not seen as, as uh, ideally progressive. So that's going to be an issue if she... If she uh, gets further, it's, it's going to be, I think, more as a centrist type of candidate who is trying to appeal to the progressives rather than someone like Bernie who's just full-on progressive. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> speaking of that, um, she's had, a, I guess, a contentious relationship or um, her stance as a progressive. You know, there are folks who have been critical of it because, as you mentioned, because of that history uh, that she has as a, uh, as a prosecutor. And most folks see the prosecutor, they see the opportunities for justice really most, you know, that, that they rest uh, in the hands or, or in the prosecutor's office, right? Because they have the, they have the discretion on how they're going to charge folks, you know, what, how much uh, latitude they're going to give and, you know, so on. And this becomes really important, especially when you're dealing with, um, communities that are victims of over-policing, uh, that are underserved, and, you know, we talk about that, the cycle, <clears throat> excuse me, the, 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 this cycle of, 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 of incarceration, recidivism, all these things. I want to bring up really quickly, um, and of course, as I bring this up, I also want to say that I could also be bringing up um, something positive, right? But I just want to share, this is something that's critical. Uh, so there was a, a wrongful conviction case. Uh, this is in 1999. There was a electrician who was charged with sexually abusing his stepdaughter and reported the allegations. Uh, she reported the allegations years later. And the case hinged mostly on the stepdaughter's testimony 
and the man, Mr. Gage, was convicted. Afterward, the judge discovered that the prosecutor had unlawfully held back potentially exculpatory evidence, including medical reports indicating that uh, she had been repeatedly untruthful with law enforcement, and the mother even described her as a patholo uh, pathological liar who lives her lives. So um, when the case reached the United States Court of Appeals in 2015 uh, for the Ninth, Cir Ninth Circuit in San Francisco, Ms. Harris, prosecutors defended the conviction, and they pointed out that Mr. Gage, while forced to act as his own lawyer, had not properly raised a legal issue in the, lawyer, in the lower court as the law required. This is just one, one example of, of, of a number that I've you know, personally read over uh, where wrongful convictions were, um, were supported by her office. Now, once again, I'm also not an expert on her history, uh, so I'll go back and I encourage you to do your own due diligence as well, right? But from what I've read, it's certainly those types of uh, instances, they definitely run counter to this narrative of her as a, uh, as a progressive, um, especially someone who's used that particular office in a way that wasn't really about, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't to give justice to the little guy. It, was, it seems like more about padding stats. You know, let me take that back because I don't want to make any interpretations, right? But it doesn't, it doesn't look progressive to me. At all. Yeah, it's a valid point. I mean, it's a valid stance, I think. Yeah, yeah. So we've got a lot of time, uh, a lot of candidates to go over, uh, but we have run to the, I guess we've come to the, just about the end. we we, we got a few minutes. Um, who's the next one to look for, uh, look for before we get out of here? I think Tulsi Gabbard, um, who I have... A big problem with on one issue, okay. specifically, which is the, it's very weird. Uh, she seems to be qualified or whatever. She's ex-military and everything. Um, a congresswoman from Hawaii. Um, one very weird stance that she has, and it's unacceptable to me, is her stance on Syria, the Syrian war. Mm -hmm. So I guess she supposedly went to meet with Bashar al-Assad or something like that. Um, which is that is not even the 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 worst thing. I mean, it's it's permissible to like meet with an enemy or something like you know. But it's, she's part of this weird, um, this weird kind of subculture or whatever of people who believe that everyone f who rebelled against the Syrian government is somehow like uh, a terrorist or or some type of like Islamic extremist. Whereas we know, like in Chicago, we know there's a Syrian presence here, right? Um, these are just regular people, you know, who are demanding, like, certain rights, and the government started killing them, basically. So that's, that's uh, one issue that is very disturbing. That's a big issue. That's a big issue. Okay. All right, well, we'll pick it up again. Um, always a pleasure, bro. Thank you. Uh, all right, Radio Song family, we appreciate you hanging out with us. Uh, we thank our engineers over at WCEV for making sure we come through loud and clear. I'm your host, Tariq Alameen, joined by the impressive one, Ibrahim Beg. Uh, we are producers as well. Our executive producer is Abdul Malik Mujahid, and we remind you that the views expressed by the host and our guests are theirs and not to be taken as representation of Sound Vision Foundation. And with that, we leave you as we greeted you. Assalamu alaikum. May the peace that only God can give be upon you.